Hey guys, welcome to the My Entertainment World podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Bedard. We have a pretty cool episode for you today. Uh, I wanted to do some sort of Oscar preview episode, looking back at the 2016 films and taking a look at some of the most interesting matchups we're going to see at Sunday's awards ceremony and maybe making a few predictions about who's going to take home the trophies. And when I started to think about who I wanted to podcast with about the Oscars, I thought about who I like to listen to talk about movies. And I, anyone who knows me or definitely reads the site or follows us on Twitter at MyAntWorld knows that the answer to that question is the Vidiot's Video Store podcast. It's my favorite podcast in the whole world, and it's essentially just two guys talking about movies. So I reached out to one of the hosts, Clay Keller, who graciously agreed to come on uh, to our podcast and talk about the Oscar movies. So what you're about to hear is an extremely long, apologies now, uh, sort of breakdown of category by category, Clay and my thoughts on all of the most interesting matchups and who we think are going to win. We get into it fighting about Jackie and La La Land and all the things we disagree on, which is uh, plenty. We get a little off topic uh, from time to time. There's a weird detour into CBS sitcoms in the history of musical theater. Don't worry too much about it. It's fine. And um, there's there's a section in the middle uh, around foreign films and, and uh, documentary when Clay was having some internet problems. So you might hear some sort of strange cuts. Uh, it's not uh, editing to make it sound like he's saying anything he wasn't. It's strictly because there was a lot of garbled audio and we had to sort of pick and choose what made it in from various takes. Uh, so I hope you enjoy the podcast. Uh, ch- be sure to check out the Vidiot's Video Store podcast. It's fantastic. Um, obviously, subscribe to our podcast as well and check out the website, myentertainmentworld.ca. Follow us on Twitter at MyAntWorld. Follow Clay on Twitter at Clay Keller and enjoy the interview. Think I want it to stay. Thank you for having me on, Kelly. It's uh, it is an, an honor. <laughs> so I just wanted the Oscars are coming up on Sunday, so I felt the need to do some sort of Oscar pre uh, preview sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I thought what we could do is go through uh, sort of I've I've divided the categories into sort of broad scope. There's the performance categories, technical categories, that sort of thing, and go through and give some predictions and general thoughts about who's nominated, how we think the sort of politics of right now are going to affect the outcomes, how we're, they're going to differ from the awards we've seen coming out so far, all that sort of thing. Okay. Okay. All Sounds right. good. I'm. I, uh, I I hope I can uh, I don't know pro- provide whatever you need in terms of uh, in terms of prognostication and uh, predictions, thoughts, opinions, feelings. I, I'm here. What, what what do you want to know? Well, the stakes are very high. I need you to understand this. Like if, yes. if you get any Always. category wrong, I'll never listen to your podcast again. Gotcha. Well, yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, obviously, since it's art, it is objective. Yeah, absolutely. It's like math, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. 
Okay. Unfortunately, it's it's becoming more and more like math all the time. Oh, that's upsetting. Don't break my heart. So, okay, let's start with performance because you got to start with a big ticket item, otherwise people will tune out. Okay. Um, well, yeah. Do Do you want to go in the order they usually do it on the show? Like, what do we got? Like, best supporting supporting actress. Isn't that usually how they start? Well, they. I feel like they change it all the time based on like who's gonna win. Basically, like you don't want to start uh, with. Um, who's someone boring? Like, I feel like if Lucas Hedges wins supporting actor, right. they're not going to program. I don't know. Maybe that's. I feel like true. with, with the, 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 the vibe, the way it is this year, you probably don't want to kick off with anything Manchester related. Exactly. Uh, but you do, you know who you do start off with? You start off with Mahershala Ali. That's who you start with. In in all yeah yes in in all things so that that should have been obvious um yeah best uh, supporting actor um yeah that's honestly that's uh that's my pick I think that's probably who's gonna win and also definitely my pick yeah I I mean I have I I went through the list and I highlighted I have two different colors the who will win and should win and he's one of the people who's like half the half his name is in one color and half the other because he's just he is who should and who will of the list that we have here um which Mm. is not to say that's necessarily like the list of the whole scope of what happened in cinema this year for example my major issue with mahershala uh though he's amazing in moonlight it really bothers me how little we're talking about andre holland it seems to me that Act One of yeah. Moonlight has completely taken over the Moonlight conversation. When to me, Act Three is sort of what makes it what it is. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, and- Andre Holland uh, in everything I've seen him in, which I guess is this and the Nick. So I got not too wide of a scope, but he's uh, he's fantastic. He's so uh, uh, um, I don't know, kind of beguiling in this sort of mysterious way. Certainly in in Moonlight. Um, but yeah, I agree. The, the third act of Moonlight is what made the movie for me. It's it's Mar- Marshall Lee is a very strong presence, and his character and his kind of um, you know his essence pervades the rest of the movie in a really interesting way, which is a credit to the screenplay and the all the other performers as well. Uh, but yeah, that last that last um, part, the last uh, section, especially that scene in the diner, which is almost like its own little mini movie that's that really is what solidified moonlight as a movie for me and certainly that the the chemistry between uh, trevante rhodes and andre holland is um along with marshall ali like that's that's what sticks with me from that movie yeah would you say that this is the if there is a slam dunk category this year this is probably it uh yeah yeah, I would say so. Uh, uh, it's at least certainly in the uh, above the line categories. Um, I would say yes. No, well, no. I think Viola Davis and Fences is probably the slam dunk. Well, and getting to that, so that was what we were going to talk about next. I, the only person to me who might upset her is Naomi Harris. And they're both great. They're both great uh, performances. I, I, I always hesitate when the press makes a big deal out of some sort of um, external factor to a performance, like a lot is being made of the fact that Naomi Harris only had three days Mm -hmm. to do this part in Moonlight, or of course last year with Boyhood or the year before, whatever year Boyhood was, (laughs) uh, so much, you know, was made of, of obviously all of the, 
years that went into to, to making that movie, which is not or the insignificant. Revenant it's just really it's just make. exactly yeah. yeah the the Revenant's like you don't you don't need to kill yourselves to 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 make a movie that's uh, preposterous. But um, there is something I, I don't like people latching onto that as this kind of like marketing gimmick. But there is something to be said coming from the the kind of headspace of an actor to to play a character that uh, changes so drastically and she said even within those three days they shot out of order so she was jumping around had almost no time with the character almost no time with the people she was performing with and covered that whole range in a very interesting way um it's it was it's a it's a great performance and she's she's a, a great actor um the other ones uh octavia spencer in hidden figures is delightful um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, if she's Oscar delightful, but she's delightful in that movie. Um, Michelle Williams and Nicole Kidman both kind of have the classic uh, two scene, and one of them has a lot of of crying in it, kind of Oscar Oscar nomination. But again, both good. That scene with Michelle Williams is is uh, terrific. Oh my god, uh, disagree, I just, Clay. I just watched Lion last night, uh, and in the scene with Nicole Kidman and uh, Dev Patel uh, is is you know heartwarming uh but i think that viola davis um i don't know she did all all the performing fences kind of is kind of a cheat because it's a movie that's literally just about the performances for the most part well it's a uh, it's a play and they didn't even it's not even really adapted it's just they filmed the play right which uh which i was saying um on my podcast uh i don't uh, the one it hasn't been put out yet but i was i was telling um <laughs> my coworker Ryan, uh, on, on my show, uh, as someone who, uh, you know, did not get to see that production when it was a stage production, I sort of appreciate them just giving us those performances. Cause when something's on stage, um, I assume F- F- fences was not a stage show that relied heavily on pyrotechnics and <laughs> special effects. Uh, it was probably just about, uh, the intensity of those performances. And I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to experience that in some way. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as as that movie goes, I think Viola Davis, and also she's won uh, every other award so far. I think. Right. I think she's probably a lock uh, for that, and I'm 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 fine with that. She gives a very strong performance. Right. Uh, my line on this category has generally been anyone but Michelle Williams. I felt <laughs> very very strongly about Manchester by the Sea that. I think it's a great movie. I think the only thing that doesn't work is Michelle Williams. Um, mm, okay. And I, had, I don't have anything against her. Dawson's Creek lives right next to my heart. And I think she's a really great actor. She's been great in lots of things. But that movie, it drove me crazy. It felt to me like she was in a totally different movie than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Everybody's giving these like tiny, lived-in, totally unglamorous performances. And she's giving me... And I've been nominated for too many oscars give me my damn oscar performance (laughs) and i hate that she cried like she's just so gigantic and Mm -hmm. that really bothered me that didn't i mean that stuck out to me perhaps as a character choice it it didn't bother me juxtaposed with the other performance styles but you know some people i guess are generally more dramatic than 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 other people so i I could see where it would be off-putting certainly off-putting and 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 very confrontational for uh, Casey Affleck's character, who is a very reserved person now, I guess. It's actually in- interesting with all the flashbacks you see, he was kind of a kind of a goof uh, before before everything that transpires in that movie. Um, but she was still someone who had 
kind of a sense of drama and was moving on with her life and was able to, uh, you know, emote in a big way that Casey Affleck was just on that was just stripped from him, uh, which made that extra awkward uh, for for his character. So I, I I didn't see it as as out of line with the movie, perhaps that character was particularly difficult uh, for him to, to deal with. Uh, but yeah, it's a tiny, I mean, it's a, you know, the best supporting, the supporting categories are always kind of weird and they seem to be the most political one. Cause you always have lead people submitting for supporting to try and win. And there seems like there's always the most argument over the supporting categories. Well, certainly. And that's one of the things with Viola Davis, right? Is she is, I think pr- she should have been in the leading actress category. Um, it's sort of a beautiful mind I mean, situation where Jennifer Connelly, yeah. she, by putting herself in supporting, she True. sort of, she obviously, she just obviously did so much more work than everybody else in the supporting category because yeah. she was a leading actress. And, you know, I would say Viola Davis is, is this, uh, leading actress in Fences, uh, whereas you compare it to something like Naomi Harris, which is like a definitive supporting role. Um, right. It is interesting. I don't know. It's an interesting conversation. But speaking of Viola and Michelle, uh, their counterparts, to me, are the two arguments to be made in actor for a leading role, right? Okay. Let me scroll up to actor in a leading role. Okay, (laughs) gotcha. Uh, So, yeah, sorry. I'm jumping around. I'm doing, like, all the performance together and then moving on to different categories. Sounds good. I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, So, in my personal opinion... Hazy Affleck's performance in Manchester by the Sea is second to none in terms of film performances. I believe mm-hmm. Denzel Washington did win the Tony for this exact performance in Fences. Um, and it is, it's, I mean, it's mind-blowing, that performance. But to me, Casey Affleck really gave the performance of the year. It then becomes, you have two personal and political uh, things happening in this category uh, that work working together... I would say really point it in Denzel's favor. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I feel like Denzel is probably going to win. Uh, I don't know. Den- it could be people are just like I'm going to avoid the, that entirely and vote for Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. We we could see mm-hmm. we we no. could see uh, some 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 shock uh, come Oscar night, and he won't be able to win the crowd over with with his speech because he already gave that that beautiful golden globe speech that, that, uh, delighted everyone. So, uh, but, um, no, I, I, yeah, I agree. Denzel Washington. I was just thinking about this a little bit ago is he's, his performance as Troy in fences is so, um, huge and all consuming. And, and Troy is that movie. I mean, he's that, that story that is, is Troy. Whereas Casey Affleck's performance, uh, I, I, I almost forget he's in Manchester by the Sea, <laughs> even though he's in every single scene. He's so small and normal and 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 unassuming that even though he is the whole movie, uh, I, I, like when I think of Manchester by the Sea, I don't even see his face. I see all the other stuff. And I think that that's so difficult to do. Like I could tell you off the top of my head 15 character traits of Troy in Fences, and I would struggle. I'd be like, I guess... I guess, um, I don't even remember his name. Like, I guess Casey Affleck in this movie is a guy, but not, not at all. That sounds like a, like I'm like, I'm, it's a slight or pejorative, but, but the ab- absolute opposite. Like he carries that movie with such, um, 
such realism and and it's so uh, unassuming and unflashy um, that I, I don't know. It's kind of a marvel. I don't know if yeah, like you said, I don't know if I've seen a performance quite like it uh, in a, in in a film before. That really, I I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, it's it's one that I've been. Um, it's I've been trying to to figure out ever since I saw the movie, and I think there's something to to say about that. So I think two very very different type of of impressive performances. Um, I'd be happy with either. Uh, for the show's sake, I kind of hope Denzel wins because I don't want <laughs> the awkwardness that would go along with a Casey Affleck win. Uh, I I I I'm dreading. Um, but they're both great. They're both great. I loved, I loved both those performances. Um, don't have any idea why Andrew Garfield was nominated, but <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think it was just, I, the Academy looked at him and said, you worked so hard this year. <laughs> why don't we just, he did. And his ex-girlfriend's nominated and she's probably going to win and just like, yeah, you know, just give it to him. He worked really hard. He went to a monastery class. Poor guy. <laughs> I know. I think his his he spent his like two straight years playing uh uh like put upon Christians. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit worried what that's gonna do for his psyche, but yeah. uh uh I I hope his next role uh is a romantic comedy or something. I would very much like that because I'm sort of endlessly uh, loyal to him. And even though he's given exactly one performance I particularly liked, I didn't mind his Spider-Man, but I, I think he's amazing in Social Network, and Social Network's one of my favorite movies ever, mm-hmm. and he's my favorite part of the Social Network, and so he's sort of like the Friends, the Friends cast I'll watch in anything, just out of sheer, they were on when I was four years old, loyalty, uh, which has right. led me to some just the worst stuff ever yeah, made. Like- You've so you've seen We're the Millers? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, of no. course, I've seen We're the Millers. Uh, I watched a full season of Go On. Totally won me over. I've watched two seasons of The Odd Couple. That just hurts my heart. Oh goodness! But that's because we that's still we on? need to stop. Yes, it is still on because CBS is CBS. Oh, wow. But we need to stop converting classic plays into sitcoms, especially on CBS because Superior Donuts, the play is playing right. in Toronto right now and. It just broke my heart to watch the CBS sitcom. Interesting. Yeah. I I saw Superior Donuts when it played um, on Broadway. When was this? Ten? It no. Was written yeah. in 2008. So. Yeah, almost ten years ago, um, and I didn't. It didn't do much for me. But that was, of course, I'm sure it's been reworked a hundred oh, times. It didn't play on Broadway for very long either. I think it was on Broadway for a couple of months. But yeah, I saw it with Michael McKean, and I don't remember who the other oh. person was. But actually. I have an anecdote from Superior Donuts, if you would like to hear Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We can get us off topic okay. as we want. I was the one who opened Perfect. the CBS sitcom door. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we went and saw Superior Donuts. Um, standing in line uh, to get into the theater, uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman walked by everybody. He was in the audience that night, I think with his daughter. But so he And he walked through. He didn't sneak in the back. I don't know how celebs usually do it in New York if they walk through like a regular person that's probably what they do but everybody outlined so like most of the audience saw dustin hoffman walk in oh dustin hoffman you see dustin hoffman um i don't know if this joke stayed in the show but there's a joke in superior donuts where they make fun of rain man Mm -hmm. for being a shitty movie (laughs) like they have some some reference about a bad movie and the the joke is rain man 
and the entire audience went <gasps> and just all looked to find <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. Uh, and I, that was that was very that was the best part. Of the show. <laughs> I, I love Tracy Letts, but that I, that one didn't do anything for me. I don't know, but I I'm curious to. Uh, I was shocked to hear that he just like decided to turn it into a oh sitcom. Oh my god, it's 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 amazing the because because it's. I'm pretty sure the show premiered the same week that the play came out in Toronto, and the Toronto production is Coal Mine Theater, and it's extraordinary. Like it, it's just, okay. it's it's great. The kid who plays, uh, I don't even know his name. He's got a funny name. Uh, that guy, the kid, <laughs> is incredible. Uh, and then they turned it. I don't even know. It's just the most sitcom. It kind of looks like they repurposed the Two Broke Girls set, and they're just like, but now it's uh-huh. donuts. Um, instead of cupcakes, they're just, it's brutal. Uh, two broke girls. Kat Dennings has been trapped on that show for far too long. So we got, ended up talking about uh, two broke girls about as far away from the, the Oscars as you can possibly get. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't think of a single uh, <laughs> connecting piece. Um, anyway, where were we? We should talk about actress in a leading role. Um, All right, let's do it. Okay, so this, unfortunately, I think is where I'm... So I'm worried Emma Stone's going to win because she can cry on cue, apparently, and that's wonderful. Um, My dark horse pick is Ruth Nega, even though I didn't love her in Loving. I just... Mm -hmm. There's something... I feel like she might pull off a Marion Cotillard out of left field. Oh, okay. But this is where you get to talk about your beloved Natalie Portman and your beloved Jackie. Mm -hmm. Oh, Which is terrible. <laughs> I hated Jackie. My uh, beloved Jackie. You know, if I, I wanted uh, Sarsgaard to get nominated for uh, for actor in a supporting role as uh, as RFK, I thought he was fantastic in that movie. Um, let's see. So I've seen most of these. I've not yet seen uh, Ruth Nega in Loving. Um, I did catch up with Elle just last night, and which is. A very like, Isabel Huppert is fantastic. That's a very good performance. I'm a little bit after all the buzz. I was a little bit like, is it just that she did these really intense rape scenes? Mm. That's and people just like say, you know, that's. Although apparently Isabel Huppert does not agree that that is a brave a brave thing to perform. I don't know if you saw the Hollywood Reporter Actors Roundtable, and uh, the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, gentleman said like was it difficult to film those rape scenes and Isabel who basically said no <laughs> it's act it's acting um which is just i always love when whenever you get mostly european you know very kind of like outside of hollywood people in those round tables they always just seem perplexed by <laughs> how in their own heads all the americans and brits are um another very fun one or not not not, not you know that's not fair to say about the brits uh uh, Ridley Scott's always fun on those round tables as well. I think last year in The Martian, ev- the answer to everything was like, what was the most challenging part? And he's like, it's nothing. No, it's, it, was, it was making a movie. What do you mean? Cha- <laughs> we showed up, we did the job, we went home. Like, what do you mean it was the hardest part? Yeah. Um, those like immaculate pro- 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 professionals who don't uh, go all like Stanislavski on it. Uh, but um, it was a great performance, but there was nothing that made me go like, oh my God, this needs an award. Um, I, I look. I and also M- Meryl Streep in the you know, um, uh, we're not giving Meryl it Streep to Meryl Streep. <laughs> part of the category. 
Uh, but Florian Foster Jenkins, great movie. She's great in it. Like, she's always good, even, Come on. E- e- even though it's... Uh, Come on. <laughs> did you see Florence Foster Jenkins? No, that is not a good movie, man. It's delightful. It is it's, delightful. It, uh, well, no. Okay, when did you see it? I, uh, a month or two ago. Okay, so I think that's why you think it was wonderful. I think, and this is, I think, part of what's happened with La La Land, is that they are not Oscar-time movies, and they are being seen uh, mostly during Oscar time. So I think what's happening is that all of the other movies that are out are these like really depressing, dark, Oscar-y movies. And so everyone's just so relieved to see something that's like somewhat a comedy that they're finding delight uh-huh. in this tiny little bit of light. Whereas I saw Florence, Florence Foster Jenkins when it came out, because I thought it looked delightful. The, the previews were fantastic. I just thought it was so imbalanced and I didn't understand anybody's motivations and I don't even remember now, but I just remember thinking it was uh, kind of overdramatic and silly and, and I, I don't know, man. I think we need to stop just slotting her into that fifth spot because we couldn't come up with another woman who did any good work this year. Come on. Yeah, I mean, that's that's more a Meryl Streep thing than a Florence Foster Jenkins thing. But I, I thought that movie was delightful. And, of course, uh, I loved Jackie. I thought <laughs> N- Natalie Portman did an, did an incredible job both embodying the iconography as well as um, making it seem believable as a, as, a, as a human being in the glimpses when that's what that character wanted uh, to, to sneak through, which is just the moments alone <clears throat> she was someone who in public always had a persona on uh and that's something that's uh that's a lot of levels to play and i thought that natalie portman did a great job uh and that's a great movie um also uh you know what i'm not here for the la la land backlash uh I, you know i don't think it's the smartest movie that's ever been made uh <laughs> in terms of its its uh depiction of struggling artists and and how that can affect a relationship uh i i i know you are also a big uh, fan of the last five years which is a very similar very similar material uh, the movie wasn't fantastic but very similar material that i thought well i handled that same type of relationship in a much smarter way but that's not la la land's fault necessarily uh i think emma stone there is something to be said about having that movie star quality that seems effortlessly um endearing and charming which in real life is not effortless at all because filming a movie is one of just the weirdest most inorganic things you can possibly do and uh, exuding that kind of uh, natural chemistry like she has with Ryan Gosling and just natural uh, charm and her comedic timing is spectacular Uh, I think it's not a performance in the same way uh, you know that Jackie and I'm sure Ruth Nega is a performance where it's you know you're tapping into something really really deep but it's a different kind of performance that I think is just as hard if not harder uh, and she does it very very well Uh, so I'm fine with Emma Stone uh, in La La Land because I know Jackie just seems like it's not going to win anything Um, (laughs) although I'm holding out hope that it that it picks up best original score I thought that was um, a huge huge part of the movie I thought probably the most unique part of the movie as well so I'm I'm okay with Emma Stone in La La Land okay let it be said if if Viola Davis had had submitted in leading i i would be for viola davis but um lala and backlash is is passe as far as i'm okay concerned. so many thoughts so 
First of all, I saw grinning Adonis Jeremy Jordan in Newsies last night and thought of you and was like, have to tell Clay that he's so wrong about Jeremy Jordan. Um, speaking of the last Adonis, the last Adonis movie. Jamie is not an Adonis. No, he's Jamie. Jamie is a is a is a nebbish writer. Okay, so I was thinking about this, and I I know what the problem is here. This disagreement, which for the listeners is a fight that Clay and I had on Twitter a few months back. Um, and I almost always agree with Clay, and I almost like just left him completely on this. I was, I can't, I'm not listening to you anymore. Uh, Jamie, okay, here's my thought. I am sort of fundamentally a theater person. My main job is I'm a theater critic, and I see a lot of theater. You, film. So when we're dealing with something like the last five years, which is a theater piece, it was created for the theater, but then it is now a film. I approach it as I see the movie version as just another version of Jamie. And so as a theater person, I embrace this idea of every actor comes to a role and they have to reshape that role somehow in accordance with who they are because they're just bringing that to them. You know, if you're really super jacked, your character has to be somebody who works out because that's just what you look like and the character has to take a responsibility for that. as a film person, you're thinking more in terms of like, this is the definitive version, so it should be the quote unquote correct version. Uh, and I was thinking of the movie more as just yet another iteration of this thing that is on, like ongoing and lives forever in, and continues to live forever specifically because of all these different iterations. So just different perspectives. We're both right. Of course. However, if I saw Jeremy Jordan in a stage production, I would also be like, well, this is wrong. Uh, Clay! <laughs> but you you might not. If it- <laughs> There's a whole song about how he 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 is like, but he is getting all of this uh, attention from women because he's successful. Jeremy Jordan could be homeless and have, w- have women throwing themselves at him. Like he's, it's... It is not the correct. They they cast him because he was the only like name Broadway person around. Like it's, I think like it. Uh, yeah, you know what? This is also not related to the Oscars. What were we talking about? <laughs> well, no. Okay. Oh, talking about Emma Stone. <laughs> okay. Uh, Emma Stone's great. Moving on. <laughs> Yay! You can't just like declare your, the argument over after you make a point. Uh, anyway. I, I think that if it was your fifth last five years and you saw him on stage, you wouldn't mind as much. If it was your first, you would okay. have a problem. This is the difference. Anyway. Fair enough. Uh, so, okay, so we talked about Jeremy Jordan. Then uh, let's do the La La Land cover. Well, Jackie will be easier, so let's do Jackie first. So my, I think Natalie Portman's excellent in the movie. Uh, she does a very good job. You're right about the score. Uh, I think you only need one uh, sequence of her wandering around listening to Camelot. We don't need to do it three times. Uh, uh, that that Camelot <laughs> song is really good, oh, though. Oh, so I hear. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, if ever I would leave you is better, but whatever. <laughs> um, but... Well- yeah, but that doesn't have any. That doesn't. It wouldn't work as well in the movie. This is true. I'm just saying. Uh, That's a good they, show, by the way. How come I don't hear anything about that show ever? Uh, is it because the movie wasn't very good? I never saw well, the movie. You know, uh, which recording do you have? Do you have like the original British cast? I have the original. I don't. I think is. I try to only get original Broadway cast. Okay, but the the ori- just because that's how I don't spend a million dollars on 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 records. I have very strict parameters. It's the one with Richard Burton and uh, uh, Julie Andrews right. and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, and Robert Goulet is the other. Right. Um. 
the I think that it sounds quite old fashioned. Um, a uh-huh. lot, a lot of that show is quite outdated and a little bit cheesy in person. I think it's is it because the lyrics are very, very clever. Like I listen to that, and I listen to like My Fair Lady and stuff, um, and the other Learner Low um, works. The thing that stuck out to me about Camelot is it's like one of the only ones that the main point of it isn't like um, the main character like hating women, <laughs> which is just curious to me. Well, and My uh, Fair Lady does but, get done um, like, still. Yeah, My Fair Lady is very very popular. But well, one thing that struck me about Camelot is is is. Uh, it's some of the most funny, like subtle, clever uh, lyric lyric writing, lyricism. Um, I don't know that I, that I've that I've heard re- recently. So I was I was just curious why if 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 the book is a bit more sentimental than the songs, or why that show is not uh, something that I've heard about. Well, more. and it's interesting that you sort of pick on the lyrics as being very clever. Uh, it is one of Lin Manuel Miranda's favorites, and I think you can tell that. Ah. Um, uh, he sings it in his sixty minutes piece. It made me laugh. But the, I think that it's. I I don't remember the book super well. I seem to remember it being quite cheesy. But uh, perhaps most importantly, it's stylistically musically uh it's sort of very classical the soprano is a very mm-hmm. high twirly soprano in that uh way that doesn't really exist anymore nowadays almost all musical theater performers uh the the, the women uh, are mezzos at best really some of them have those high glinda notes but they all also have a belt range and uh the women with those sort of high twirly head voice sopranos have gone more into the opera world and more into the performance, uh, sort of concert performance, that sort of thing. And the role, be- and part of that is just that the roles don't exist in contemporary musical theater for those high twirly sopranos. Uh-huh. There's just no jobs for them. Okay. Uh, so they either adapt or they move. Uh, so, and hmm. just sort of um, in terms of the style and taste nowadays, that's considered a very sort of like old school throwback, very sort of like prissy white culture thing. And that's something that musical theater as a community has been trying to move away from because it doesn't sell. Uh, and, it, and it folds into this concept of musical theater that people who quote unquote don't like musical theater have. Uh, and so they're really pushing more towards the sort of more cutting edge things, more pop things, uh, anything with a more contemporary feel and that goes along with having mm-hmm. like power altos and that sort of thing. So ah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, a nice, a nice uh, primer. Well, I like listening to it. Um, so what are you saying oh, that Jackie. you're fine? You're fine with Jackie uh, now? No, okay, I'm not. Cool, cool, hey, cool. <laughs> stop like rewriting what I said. Uh, this, this is not not working anytime I try. It. <laughs> no, I'm gonna call you on all of your stuff. So Jackie, uh, okay, she's very good in it. I, I don't like that they do the Camelot thing like three times. They it worked beautifully mm-hmm. in the trailer and then only do it once. Um, my main issue with Jackie and Darren's right about the stylishness and all that kind of stuff, but we'll leave him in a corner for a second. My main issue is that how is cold and calculating an interesting take on Jackie Kennedy? Like there was nothing in Jackie that gave me a glimpse into anything. I didn't just assume because I'm unempathetic towards her. Like, I feel like if, if the movies uh-huh. are a machine for empathy, I should come away from Jackie 
feeling something or being able to see her more clearly as a figure, or at least imagine her more clearly as a human being. And I came away from it being like, oh, great, she was manipulative. Imagine that. See, I didn't get that. That's not. I didn't get manipulative. I didn't get cold your and calculating. Your whole thing is that I she's got... manipulating her historical narrative. That was your whole perspective on but, this movie. Yeah, uh, manipulating is a word that that carries sort of an assumed pejorative with it, though. I, I think she is a woman who uh, sort of got into a position. It, it, it was never her plan to become this this icon to become this person who had all eyes on her uh, and it was so early into the presidency i think she was still trying to figure out how to be this this new person that is that is more uh you know uh representative of of the country than just a regular person and then in a flash uh this new identity that she just started getting comfortable with is all of a sudden completely turned on its head. She loses her home. Like, this is kind of the stuff that I thought was interesting beyond the myth-making parts was this is a woman who loses her husband and her identity and her house in in a second and has to try and figure out not only how to rebuild uh, her life as soon as possible, but also realizes that it it lays completely on her shoulders how people are going to uh, remember her husband and and also how the country's going to transition. I mean, it's you know they talked a lot in this last election about the peaceful transition of power. Uh, it was a lot rested on her to help the country uh, kind of get through this and just you know continue going on. So I I I, I didn't I got cold, but it was it was kind of in in armor that she had to assume. Uh, just by the nature of the situation, um, kind of in a responsibility that was larger than just to herself. Uh, and I also found it fascinating, um, the, sure, manipulative, but also just the the way that she very meticulously and carefully, uh, in a planned way, kind of put the puzzle pieces in or set the gears in motion to direct the public opinion of her husband and really create whole cloth almost the great, kind of American hero of the 20th century. It's very interesting. You know, JFK has become this paragon uh, for people in the United States. It's like great, great president. Um, and if she hadn't, hadn't done what she did to create that perception, um, you know, perhaps it, it's interesting to think about how different American history uh, would be without, without that hero to look to um, who is really more myth than, than, than man. So that's a little bit sort of extra textual, but I think that the movie did a good job of capturing all that. Um, anyway, and, that's, that's and how that, I felt. And that's very, an, an interesting concept. I liked the idea very much actually of this idea of myth making um, and, and creating, framing both herself and her husband as these sort of larger than life, almost inhuman figures in which case I needed the humanity when it was just her, and instead I just got blank Natalie Portman pristine nonsense. I just, I didn't care at all, <laughs> at all. She was a very isolated person. Yes, very well, and very isolated. Because she wasn't a Kennedy. Like, she wasn't, you know, that's, that's another thing I thought was interesting. Like, she has this relationship with Robert, but I think that, you know, she's someone who who married into this very like close knit dynasty, and it seemed yeah, like she was not uh, a card carrying. <laughs> yeah, oh, sure, yeah. Um, but anyway, she was. Uh, I th I thought that it was a great performance, uh, and you know, I don't okay. know. Okay. I, I I don't have too much more to say. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I 
ranted a little bit, uh, but uh, yeah, no, it, it especially I saw that movie. Uh, what was it? I saw that movie the day after the. No, not the day after oh, the election. Wow. That can't be right. Or the day after Obama had that sit down with Trump mm. in the White House. It's something I I I was thinking a lot about Barack and Michelle uh, <laughs> during that movie, uh, oh, yeah. and how and how the JFK legacy, like I the legacy uh, that and that uh, um, J- J- Jackie was a huge part of of bringing culture into the White House, of opening up the the White House, of making the president and the first lady seem more like. Uh, like regular people like i think a lot of that you can see the echoes of that in the uh in the obama white house and maybe helped clear the path in some in some ways so i was yeah there was a lot it was very evocative for 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 me (laughs) although it was was great i was i saw it in the afternoon and it was me and a bunch of uh uh sort of like middle-aged beverly hills housewives (laughs) and the movie ended uh and i was uh shaken but the two the two women sitting next to me, one of them is the very first thing she said was, she was so elegant. <laughs> that's exactly what my mother would have said. <laughs> Which was very like, that. that's, all right, well, that's that's all that some people are going to take from Jackie Kennedy, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's like I was at the Shaw Festival last summer, and there was this, like, gaggle of women who were, it, it's situated in wine country, and it was this little group of uh, middle-aged women who were clearly on a girls' weekend, and we were watching Women of No Importance, which is an Oscar Wilde play. And every single character entrance, they would go, look at that dress. Every <laughs> single time. And I was like, you know what? Let's just put a blanket statement. The costumes are beautiful. And move on and maybe listen to Oscar Wilde. Anyway, so speaking of aesthetics, uh, let's jump over Emma Stone a little bit, because I think you've said basically all there is to say, although I will say that your argument about being a movie star mm-hmm. seem isn't, it feels to me like giving George Clooney an Oscar, which is a thing we don't want to do anymore, right? Right? Because to me... <laughs> I think that entirely depends. Well, that's, that's, to me, the definitive, like, he's a great movie star. It's not really an acting performance so much as a presence performance and being able to carry a movie and having that but charm. that's still acting. Like, being being on a movie set is the, just the weirdest thing in the world, and being able to seem natural in, in that is, is that's, I, that's I a skill. Grant that's you, a skill. I grant you that... Nothing that's effortless is that truly effortless. That is a real skill. It really is. But... What are we giving out Oscars for, I guess, is the question, right? Because, like, we know George Clooney, to me, is that is that guy. He's our generation's Cary Grant, someone who is always just himself, but he's an incredibly compelling figure. You can't say he's bad unless he's badly cast. Mm-hmm. And Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, actually, in La La Land, to me, those are that. that's what's happening, performance-wise. And I feel like because they're younger and because she's female and she has given sort of prestige performances in the past, we have this idea that we, we wouldn't give George Clooney the Oscar for executing that same thing because that's what we understand of him is that he's a movie star, not an actor. And, and Emma Stone, I think we're giving her, whereas, whereas Natalie Portman was acting, I think Jackie was a really hard, complete performance where she put on a character. Anyway, moving on, we'll talk a little bit more about La La Land because we're about to get into the aesthetic categories. So this is production design, costume design, and it's not nominated for makeup and hairstyling, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, So this is where I think La La Land's uh, sort of just general domination 
might start to come through categories that uh, one might assess individually uh, should go to someone else, I think tend to go in these categories to sort of just general best picture candidates. Uh, so whereas costume design, sure. I think it should go to Allied. Production design, I think should go to Hail Caesar. I think it's more likely to go to something that is nominated for best picture. And in that case, that is La La Land. Right. Uh, yeah. The, costume design, production, those, these, these, these things, um, I don't know. I, I tend to stay away from anything that's heavily CGI. So like Fantastic Beasts, I, I don't know. I also, I, I also like when they buck the assumption that just whatever is you know recreating something of of a time long past is automatically uh more worth more artistic or more worthy or more difficult than doing something contemporary i loved last year when uh mad max Mm -hmm. won um in costume design i'm looking at it it's all old-timey stuff Mm -hmm. except for la la land I, i i i i think making a modern day design that is evocative and unique but also uh you know believable and obviously we can critique this in real time because this is this is our time that we're living in um i think that there's a skill to that that i think is is not necessarily more difficult than recreating something from the past but i think is is definitely less celebrated um so i i would be fine i'm i'm i mean i don't really have a strong uh, feeling on these, but I'd be fine with La La Land. I think all these movies, uh, with the ex- exception of Fantastic Beasts, was just there's so much CGI everywhere that it just bummed me out really hard. And their recreation of New York was, I think, um, I, I, it was, felt very sparse. I, I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. Um, aside from that, yeah, I'm fine. I liked, actually, I thought the costume design in Allied was very good. Um, what do you think yeah. about a dark, a I don't dark know. horse I... win for a rival on production design? Throw them something to make up for the terrible atrocity <sighs> of not nominating Amy. Yeah, production design for a rival. Um, oh, and Passengers was nominated. I didn't see that one. Yeah. Uh, but a rival was mostly yeah, folding you know, I... desks. <laughs> Arrival, yeah, it was mostly folding folding desks and uh, tent uh, like field offices um, and a and a black uh, orb. <laughs> um, I don't know. Arrival, yeah, I'm not feeling I'm not feeling strong about that one. I think you know I I, I always think like I like I was just saying with La Land. I think there's something to be said about about um, kind of. Uh, imagining what a bizarre or a unique situation in our real time would look like and in a a very like functional tactile way uh so i'm sure arrival is all very accurate um but i feel like that'd be kind of like giving production design to like contagion or something (laughs) i I, yeah i don't know i if 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 arrival did not have uh you know that that glass wall with the heptapod blots on it it would it wouldn't have been nominated. Like, if you take the just that alien, the little alien bit out, there's nothing terribly remarkable about the production design in that movie. Um, maybe it's just kind of the the novelty of having an alien around is what got that uh, the thing. But no, I, I I would be for the two the two uh, love letters to Hollywood would have. I'd be fine with Hail Caesar or La La Land for production design. I think those are s- just because I love. I love when they go and shoot on backlots and just uh, in between the stages without 
<laughs> guessing it up too much. I uh, I think those are both slam dunks for La La Land. But then going into makeup mm-hmm. and hairstyling, you've got this very strange category with no Best Picture nominees, no big hits. You've got a foreign film and then two ostensibly blockbusters, but neither of them was particularly beloved. And and the Oscars have a history of not giving anything to genre movies if they can help it. Right. What do we do here? For, for, there's a foreign film and then two genre films a batman or a batman villain movie and a star trek movie yeah i mean i'm always in favor of of giving awards to star trek movies i, I think uh man called Uv is, is is gonna win didn't like a, a weird swedish comedy win this category like a year I ago have, i have absolutely no Did, idea <laughs> wasn't the last winner of this the man who the hundred year old man who jumped out the window oh, and whatever maybe. i think that was another scandinavian comedy um, so I th- I feel like so precedent, the makeup and hair uh, people who vote just Mancall's have specific Oof. taste in foreign films. I guess so. Or with when your options are Suicide Squad but and just the idea of, of Academy o- Academy of <laughs> I know right. Um, those digitally uh, enlarged booty shorts. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I I think I think I I don't have I, I I thought that I liked that they did a lot of practical makeup in Star Trek Beyond. Um, they all of the alien heads and all that the all that crap was all pre- was all very practical. I I enjoy I appreciate that. But I think uh, I have not seen a man called Of, but I feel like that's based on precedent. I feel like that almost has a strong a strong chance at uh, winning that award. Mm-hmm. And speaking of things that I think La La Land is just going to sweep for fairly no reason. All of the technical categories, cinematography, film editing, sound mixing, uh, well, I think visual Mm -hmm. effects is going to go to uh, Star Wars, uh, which is angering, but I think true. Uh, But you have... Oh, really? Did Rogue One get nominated? Yes, it did, in visual effects. I just know with the the dead people, and especially (laughs) with the loss of Carrie, I feel like people are going to get really sentimental. They're going to be like, look, it was young Carrie Fisher, and they're just going to vote for it. I know you you have strong feelings about... Uh, Deepwater Horizon going in for sound editing. Why? <laughs> Deepwater Horizon. I mean, Deepwater Horizon. I have strong feelings about for all the technical stuff. I skipped it uh, in theaters. I think I skipped it because it was being so closely followed by Patriots Day, where which I was like, <laughs> like he's doing two, two of these um, American uh, like disaster. <laughs> yeah, well, who calls them? Is it Amy Nicholson? So- someone calls them Dockbusters. Uh, which which I, I like a lot, that term a lot. P- Peter Berg seems to enjoy doing these. Um, but Deepwater Horizon is just this fantastic, uh, uh, especially if you watch all the behind-the-scenes stuff, just this really wonderful example of what movies should do in terms of special effects, which is combining old-school Hollywood ingenuity, uh, mechanical ingenuity, uh, the, the uh, artistic nature of really just, like, building shit, uh, for movies, which is one of the coolest things about about movies and was so unique about the art of movies, that fact that it's backed by so much commerce, is like back in the times of Cecil B. DeMille, you would build a fucking city for a movie, and it would be a real city that was, that was you know, made by hundreds of people. Uh, and what Deepwater Horizon did is really cool, is it it they built as they built this in huge rig out in a parking lot. Uh, they had all of this practical pyrotechnic effects. They were 90 feet up in the air. They built this huge 
uh, w w water tank underneath this thing so they could have all the boats and all that. And then they blended with it um, modern CGI effects to kind of fill in the edges so that it would be, you know, as photorealistic as possible. And and when you when you do as little as possible with CG, as much as you can practically, and then kind of fill in the edges with CGI, uh, you get a, a great effect. So I thought that Deepwater Horizon... Um, Unlike Jungle Book, which was just all CGI, or uh, or Rogue One, which was whatever Rogue One was, uh, I thought that Deepwater, um, it wasn't just, uh, uh, you know, sp uh, you know, they're all special effects, I guess, but it wasn't just uh, incredible groundbreaking CGI. It was also a testament to kind of old, great old school, uh, uh, brawny filmmaking um so i i like that for uh visual effects in terms of the sound uh there's just like there's these movies that win sound um editing i think it is uh are always either like a war movie or a movie where lots of things are exploding is whenever you have a million sound effects happening at the same time uh and i thought deep water uh aside from the really the visual tactile nature of it uh the sound design uh was very uh very um grounded and very chaotic but but you know d d done in a way that really brought you inside of it um much like hacksaw ridge is very visceral um those kind of m movies always win uh those awards um but then again la la land's gonna win nine oscars so who who knows <laughs> well and one of the ones i think it's it, i think la la land has a real shot at cinematography but do you think silence has a shot at all it's it's one nomination yeah, I that's one that I didn't see. So I I, I don't know. I, I couldn't specifically speak uh, to silence. I think um, as we get as as it's been out longer now and a, f a few more people have seen it. I think it's there's a little bit more uh, seems like confusion as to why it didn't get nominated for for anything. Maybe a little bit of buyer's remorse or uh, voters remorse. But um, it looks from the trailer, it looks beautiful. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't seen it, so I can't. I can't speak I to that one. I suspect that nobody um, saw it, and that's why it didn't get nominated. It's. I, I think yeah, right. that uh, certainly what happens with the Emmys, because uh, the line is that people who make TV are too busy to watch TV, and then they have to vote for the Emmys. They just sort of vote for who everyone's already been talking about potentially winning an Emmy this year because they don't have time to watch everything. I right. think everyone looked at their silent screeners and went, "Oh, that's so long," and just didn't watch it. Right. Sure, uh, and that's absolutely true, and that's why uh, these these <laughs> awards are always have to be taken with a with a, a grain of salt. Um, yeah, I, you know, again, I would not be surprised at Lawland. I would not be surprised at Moonlight. You know what? This is one I wouldn't be surprised if Arrival uh, snuck it out because uh, of that shot in the trailer and posters with all that fog coming down over the hill. <laughs> um, uh, it would also be cool um, if Bradford Young took the trophy uh, just for historical reasons and he does great work so um you know i, I don't know I, I i don't have a strong prediction on that one but again i'm kind of defaulting to if i don't have a strong feeling i can just assume la la land is probably gonna probably gonna take it but i don't think it's gonna be a clean sweep i don't i don't think that moonlight's gonna get kind of shut out aside from uh Mahershala. i think it's i think it's gonna take a few from from la la land i just don't know exactly exactly where well, we will come back to but, that uh, issue yeah. when we talk about best picture but for now we can agree that for original score jackie should win la la land will win right probably probably yeah um i'm, I'm always curious when you uh for 
musicals where the distinction is between, I mean, I, I literally understand the <laughs> distinction, but, um, you know, it's something that's so propelled by the songs and even then the, you know, the, uh, the melodies, you know, are usually derived from the songs themselves, like where the songwriting ends and where the score kind of, kind of begins where that demarcation is because it's so intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I would like to, I mean, cause La La Land is, I mean, unless they do that classic Oscar thing where something is nominated twice and it splits the vote and then Justin Timberlake gets an Oscar. The idea that it splits the vote is an interesting one. There are, I, I feel like there's a consent, a general consensus though, that, uh, the fools who dream slash audition or whatever that's called is the front runner over city of stars. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I haven't been following the official prognostication as closely this year as, as in some years, um, audition does seem to be, uh, the big, the big movie. I'm so curious to see, uh, 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 John legend perform that at the, uh, at the show to see a different interpretation of a song that in the movie is so, personal and so emma stone yeah uh that'll be that'll be interesting um well it, city of stars is also just kind of like a half a song <sighs> it's just like it, it it doesn't feel like a fully developed it's more of a theme that kind of runs through the movie it doesn't it's not kind of a beginning middle end piece like audition is so i i i would tend toward audition i would actually probably have picked a different song from that movie well, uh, all together. My my favorite song in in La La Land, and this is sort of an indication of how I felt about La La Land in general. The song, the like sellout song, the John Legend one that you're not supposed yeah. to like because Ryan Gosling is selling his soul, was my favorite song in the whole movie. That's a good song. I have been so perplexed this last week, and there's been some discussion about this song because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote a piece. Uh, kind of bashing it uh, and the fact that that they had the sellout song uh, be performed by the the black guy I didn't even in the movie I didn't see it as a sellout song or a sellout character I saw it as that moment when they're on stage and the lights come up and it gets all like high production and and funky is is like a Oh, oh gosh moment just because Seb is such a fucking weirdo like he is such his his character is has such specific parameters just to him and she knows that about him that that the look on Emma Stone's face is oh my god this this is killing you not this is objectively bad like this this is so against what you stand for as a person and not that Ryan Gosling I didn't see Ryan Gosling and I don't think the movie presented him this way necessarily that that he's right that that because he's the main character of the movie, everything he's saying about jazz is is the end all be all. I thought it was presenting it as that's this is a weird guy who has these things that he has made part of his personality and part of his character. Um, and Emma Stone knows him well enough to know that this is not what he wants to be doing, even if the song is great. It's catchy as hell. I like that song. I think that the movie goes out of its way to make that song really good. So I I, I disagree a little bit with the automatic um, kind of reading this, I, I think, a little bit of a, of a inattentive reading that uh, the blood, there, there's just like a John Legend's a sellout, and then he's trying to get Ryan Gosling to sell out. And it's all about being a sellout or being right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought it was a little bit more shaded than that. Uh, so that's what I took from that. And that's a good song. That's a dope song. I wish he was performing that at, at the Oscars. Yeah, that'd be a, a more lively performance. Uh, as it stands, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with The Empty Chair, which is from the James Foley story, but uh, all the other ones are mm-hmm. 
ballads or uh, sort of softer, quieter songs and, and, and Can't Stop the Feeling is like the one that's going to be a rousing fun number in the entire show. So Yeah, well, and it'll be fun to see uh, in the show what, they'll just get a bunch of people dressed up as trolls or something. <laughs> Oh, who knows what they're going to do? I uh, That'll be a fun I, that, pr- production number. I would not mind seeing... I kind of loved Trolls. Uh, I would not mind seeing them win. But I do think that if La La Land does split the vote, the more likely winner is Moana, just because mm-hmm. Lin-Manuel Miranda is Lin-Manuel Miranda. And there's an interesting... Is this the last... Yeah. The last, uh, the last stop on the EGOT train for him? Okay, uh, it man. is. It is the last stop. Uh the something that's interesting that's happening in this category is you've got this sort of strange matchup between last year's Tony winner in Lin-Manuel Miranda and uh, likely this year's Tony winners in uh, Pasek and Paul, who did the, the lyrics for La La Land. They're likely the winners of uh, book and lyrics uh, or music and lyrics and book for um, Dear Evan Hansen, which is on Broadway now. So that's sort of an interesting thing for the, right. the theater nerds to watch this sort of strange matchup in music between last year and next year. So let's move on to this. And this is going to be a sort of scattershot section because it's doc, short, animation, all that kind of stuff. And we've, between the two of us, seen sort of a weird smattering of these movies. Um, talk yes. a little bit about, I've seen none of the documentary features and definitely none of the documentary short subjects. What have you seen from those categories? Okay, so I was worried that I was going to uh, uh, look um, un- uncultured, having not seen any of the documentary stuff. But you're worse, so that's great. I feel I feel good about that. So I, uh, as far as the documentary features go, I have not seen Fire at Sea or I Am Your Negro, although I've heard that that's uh, incredible. Have not seen Life Animated. I did see um, OJ Made in America, which I thought regardless of whether or not you think it's more of a TV piece or or a film i thought it was it was absolutely tremendous can you explain to me why why it's allowed into the oscars cuz i know that they they played it in a movie theater at some point but surely there has to be a cutoff like if you're extremely episodic like that it can't always be considered a film can it well i think it's much like uh it, as it turns out much like uh, American laws, the Oscar laws are only enforceable if you enforce them. I think, I mean, basically what happened is the rule is if you, uh, have a qualifying run in theaters in New York and Los Angeles, um, uh, you get to be considered as a, as a Oscar eligible. So they played, um, all parts of OJ made in America consecutively, uh, in, in New York and Los Angeles for a week or two. I think actually the Cine Family Theater here in Los Angeles did it a couple of times and uh, it qualified. I guess it was just such a high quality piece that they thought if they, um, um, you know, did the qualification uh, for the Oscars, they might get nominated and it look, and it uh, paid off. And um, I, I don't know. I don't have, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to, I think it's, everything in in filmed content these days is such a slippery slope of of defining what is what what is what what's tv what's digital what's you know youtube what's short form what's long form it's all becoming it's such a uh, miasma um that i think it's only going to continue to get the 
the barriers are going to just get less and less as we go on. But I think this is OJ Made in America is a tremendous piece, and I am all for um, any awards that anybody wants to give it. We're we're pretty sure that this is going to go to thirteenth, right? It seems that way, and that's uh, that's fine. Thirteenth is a very important uh, movie. It has a lot of very eye opening uh, and important information in it. Uh, just in aesthetically or uh, artistically as a movie, it it feels to me a little bit like just a particularly good episode of Frontline. But I, I, I think that in terms of, of what it investigates and what it uh, illuminates and the way it illuminates it, I, I think it's it's very good and, and, and worth um, promoting in any way possible. So uh, I'm, I'm fine with 13th winning. I think OJ Made in America is a bit more uh, staggering in terms of, of an artistic piece, but uh, either of those um, seems like a good, a good choice. Is 13th, would that be the first major winner to come out of Netflix? Yeah, I think it would. Would it, is it the, would it be the first winner to come out of Netflix? I know they've had a few docs nominated the last couple of years, but I don't know. Um, Did the square win? See, I'm, I'm just my, my, basis of knowledge in the documentary space is not uh, as strong as it ought to be but it would be a big deal it would certainly be be a a, a watershed moment uh have you seen any of the foreign language films i haven't seen any foreign films i have not seen any of them uh unfortunately to my great discredit uh I, it seems like salesman has the 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 heat um for both film and political reasons so i wouldn't be surprised to see that take it that'd be quite That'd be quite a, a show moment, quite a statement, um, if the uh, the award went to uh, that film since the director has been unable to get into the country because of the current uh, um, travel ban, as as it were, um, or the travel ban that's not a ban that the president calls a ban. Uh, <laughs> uh, even though it's not a ban, apparently. Um, so that would be quite a moment. Um, uh, so I, I assume that's what we'll we'll see on Sunday. And you haven't seen any of the documentary shorts, right? No, I have not. I am not that cultured. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. Crying out loud. Um, Well, so I have seen, so you haven't seen any of the shorts at all, right? I've seen none of the shorts. I did see all of the shorts. Uh, They're playing at the TIFF Lightbox. The animated are fine, I'd say. Um, I felt a little bit like they uh, each picked a allegorical theme and were like, let's make a seven minute art piece about this allegorical theme. And, uh, you know, I could take or leave most of them. Uh, the one I liked best was called Pearl. It was sort of like a, a story about a dad and her and his daughter. And she goes on, he, they sort of live out of, out of their car and he gives up his musician dreams and he teaches her how to play like the guitar and things. And then she goes on to be a really famous musician. And uh, it was just quite lovely and, and simple. Um, Piper is nominated. It's the, the short, the Pixar short that played before Finding Dory. Uh, it was fine. I didn't think it was narratively very strong. I'm going to put my prediction behind uh, Pear Cider and Cigarettes, which is Robert Valley's uh, it's the only it's the only animated short film this year that is a little bit longer. It's closer to like 20 minutes or so. The others are about six. Um, and it's just this like really sad, slow story about a guy named Techno who needs a liver transplant. Um, but it's really in the style of Robert Valley as a graphic novelist. So it's it's really 
it looks like a graphic novel. It's in that sort of um, animation style. Uh, all of the shorts, the animated shorts this year have very different animated styles, which I think is really cool. Um, but I'm going to guess Pear Cider and Cigarettes. It's also the only one that's like adult themes. Uh, but the bigger news, I think, is the live action category this year, which I think the live... I am going out on a limb and saying that the live action shorts are better, 100% of them are better than 100% of the feature of the feature length films I saw this year. They're... Uh, wow, that's bold. It's bold, I know. But it, I, they're fantastic. Uh, the one I am rooting for is called Sing. Um, and it's about a, like a school choir uh, and the, the really sort of controlling and, and cold and really cool teacher of the choir tells certain students not to sing because they're not good enough. And so they have to mime. And uh, one particular student's response to that is, and it's, it's sort of based around this, this uh, friendship between these two young girls is really what it's built up on. And it's just beautiful and sweet. A lot of the live action shorts this year are really uplifting and, and a little bit more positive. Mm -hmm. I'm used to them being quite dark and really disturbing like last year's. Um, Oof, yeah, last year's crop were, were rough. They were rough. Whereas this year, like, there is one <laughs> called Time Code that is hilarious. And it's like 15 minutes of just pure delight. And it's sort of a spoilery huh. almost one that uh, I would no never dare to spoil for you. But the I think they're all up on the Oscars website. So you should just, like, go check out Time Code, 15 minutes of your time. It's beautiful. Oh, they're all up there in their entirety. I, well, I'm not actually sure about that. <laughs> I, <Okay>. I, <laughs> you can find it somewhere, I'm sure, but it's uh, it's beautiful uh, and hilarious. And then the only one that's like really serious is um, the enemies. Uh, I'm not sure if it's inside or the French name is Enemy Interieur, and it's like a, a t French two-hander that's like very serious about interrogation. And it's so beautifully acted and just, man, the live action shorts are, cannot recommend them enough. They're my like discovery wow, okay. of the year. Cool. And uh, then moving on to animated feature, I have only seen mm. Zootopia and Moana, but you've seen Kubo. I've seen Kubo, yeah. Uh, Zootopia was great. I, I thought it was as good as everybody said it was. Um, that movie's a hoot. Uh, Kubo, I liked a lot. It, the the animation that they do at uh Leica is just astounding they it's uh it's kind of peerless uh in terms of the level of artistry they're they're bringing to that space um so it's it's just visually incredible my problem with their movies is usually in the script like there's great ideas and then there'll just be long stretches that seem sort of I don't know, not as inspired as, as other parts. Uh, my favorite from them is still Coraline. Uh, but uh, Kubo was very good, certainly worth checking out. I, I think that of those, uh, between that and Zootopia, I think Zootopia is a much more fully realized um, story and characters and and all of, from, from that angle. Uh, and also animated very well. So I, I don't know... In in the animation uh, category, do you think it's it's uh, mostly about the? Is it? I I wonder what the balance is of voting for something based on the technical aspects and as a, and based on the actual story and everything. It feels like that's a category that's kind of more obviously taking two separate parts into account than perhaps like the other narrative categories. 
Yeah, my guess this year is going to be based on based on uh, what is uh, nominated. The sort of strange balance of like really high profile films and really low profile films, and based on the strength of Moana, which is the sort of annual uh, Disney entry. Um, I could see I could see Zootopia taking it because it was so universally beloved, but I'm gonna guess it's gonna go to one of the other three, one of the ones that is nominated more for its art and and is less uh, known. It's not a blockbuster mm-hmm. big studio film, at least. Right. Uh, I could totally see that. Although I could also see Zootopia taking it. Didn't like the big. The big, huge one win a couple years ago. Yes, I was thinking that too, but then I couldn't remember which one it was, so that I didn't forget. Right, yeah, I cannot either. Uh, yeah, so, um, I, yeah, I, I could see that. I've also heard, um, I haven't heard anything of my life as a cork. Oh, that's, um, okay, yeah, no, I've heard that that one's good. The Red Turtle, I haven't seen anything about. That there's always, it's always, it's always an interesting category, like the shorts. Yeah. You'll, you'll get these ones in there that no one has heard of except for the animation people, mm-hmm. and that's, that's cool to get that sort of honor for the filmmakers and then that like recommendation for for the 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 viewers straight from the people who know that stuff best um so that's cool but Mm -hmm. yeah i I, i'd be fine with zootopia i've yet to see uh just despite being a a big fan of lin-manuel i've yet to see uh moana Eh. Eh. yeah the the rock is fun i mean that's sort of all there is well that's yeah you could you could pin that tweet. <laughs> um, all right, so moving on to the big categories is what I called this uh, mm-hmm. division. Um, let's start with writing. Uh, okay. I'm I'm gonna go all in both uh, should win and will win on both Moonlight and Helen Highwater. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, yes. I guess I'm I'm fine with both those. Yeah, uh, Hell or High Water is definitely my pick for best original screenplay. That was actually my pick for best movie of the year as well. Um, that's that screenplay does so it 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 takes this kind of like uh, time tested rock solid road uh, bank robbing brother uh, kind of setup, um, which is all you're already off to telling a good story there and then they just he peppers it with so much specificity and personality and and um great grace notes and wonderful little moments that you know don't necessarily have to do with the you know the plot which is the first thing you hear in screenwriting and you hear from like notes from people is like if there's a scene that doesn't have to do with the plot to get get rid of it uh he really embraces the idea of making it the location one of the characters, which I think is an overused sort of ob- observation about movies. It's oftentimes the location is one of the characters. But I think this this movie more than than most even, um, it's about a time and a place and a and a and a and a vibe and a particular part of society as much as it is about the plot. So um, it's just a really really kind of subtly intelligent and thoughtful movie and then on top of it just super entertaining which i think uh can't be discounted because movies are you know at least to some extent some movies are 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 meant to be be entertainment um and just great characters i love you could follow i've just what i've said about hell or high waters at the (laughs) at the end of a scene (laughs) exactly at the end of a scene you could follow any of the random supporting characters home and then the movie would be just as good and that's that's uh, a testament to the writing uh, and the performances as well. So, yeah, I love that screenplay. 
Um, but these are all these are all good screenplays. I mean, I thought they're La La, La La Land. Um, what I loved about that screenplay was the the jokes. I thought that was a very funny screenplay. Uh, Manchester by the Sea. Uh, the whole flashback structure in 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 the middle is was such a brilliant uh, device to kind of open up that character in a way you were not expecting. You were not seeing that coming. Twentieth uh, Century Women. Very very funny screenplay. The Lobster. Obviously, Yorgos Lathamos uh, comes at life from a different perspective than anyone else. And even though I didn't love that one as much, um, uh, I feel like it was kind of inferior to to his first few movies. Maybe it just doesn't translate to to um, Eng- you know Western actors as as well. But uh, that was I respect that. I respect that screenplay. Um, did were we also talking about adapted? Yeah. Yeah. As you said, Moonlight. Um, yes. Uh, what do we got here? Rival, Lion, Runner. Yeah, Moonlight is... Yeah. It's. It seems like there's some question about how much that's adapted because apparently it's very, very... It's more inspired by the source material than, well, than directly adapted. So that's an interesting well, 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 question, well, well, though, right? Because yeah. you, you'll you sometimes see things... Like, I'm pretty sure Kenneth Branagh was nominated in this category for his Hamlet adaptation. Like, And so looking at something like Fences... Uh, Fences and Moonlight really stand on the on the two sides of the adapted screenplay category, right? Because Fences is pretty mm. basically they filmed the play. So uh, adapting that script is a lot of copying and pasting the way that like Hamlet was written by Shakespeare. Kenneth Branagh does not get an Oscar for that. But like, Fen- and Fences was mm. just copied and pasted essentially, whereas Moonlight really was like inspired by a kernel of a story that already existed. But it's essentially right. an original piece of work. Understand- if I'm not mistaken, at the WGA Awards, uh, it was nominated just as an original screenplay. Yeah, it, it, it is based on a play, but it, it, the play has a different name. It's uh, In the Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. And it, it's it's a totally... It is a very different... Or, or basically an original screenplay. Uh, right. So I guess I, the question is... Um, it feels to me like adapted screenplay exists not necessarily because it's a different art form. Um, the way that uh, you know, comedy and drama are kind of different art forms, if you want to talk about like how the Emmys divide things, um, or they're different, different skill sets. It, to me, adapted and, and original has a lot to do with just getting more screenplay nominees in there. Um, so sure. when you're looking at adapted screenplay, what are you looking for? Are you less likely to award something that is more original, um, even though it's just getting a bonus screenplay award? I, I I think you're completely right, and I do think that there is just a tendency to lean towards, I bet Moonlight will win this because it's the most original. There's a premium put on originality right. uh, always. And I think that the art of 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 adaptation is something that certainly the viewing audience doesn't give a shit about and i think it's something that is not really uh respected in in an awards way i mean it's it's a different skill it's it's a it's an entirely different skill than than original material uh and i think that uh i mean i guess this award was originally made just because the only thing being adapted were like books and newspaper articles. So it was a very kind of like adapting was a very specific thing. Now things are being adapted from uh, yeah, other things short with dialogue. Plays or podcasts or yeah, whatever. So uh, Who made a podcast movie. <laughs> hmm? Who made a podcast movie? Oh, there's several uh, in the works. Let's see. Anna Perna 
just signed up to make an adaptation of an episode of a podcast with um, Richard Linklater and uh, Robert Downey Jr. Was it the 2015 draft episode? Because that was yes. dramatic. Yes, exactly. If 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 any filmmakers <laughs> out there want to adapt any of any episode of Vidiot's Video Store Show, uh, <laughs> I'm fielding offers. The Penguin uh, episode, yeah, so animated. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. Um, but yeah, no, I'm with you on Moonlight. I mean, just looking at these, I don't know if it was the best job of adapting. That very well could be Arrival or Lion or Hidden Figures. I have not read the books that those are based on. Uh, but of those screenplays, I think Moonlight is the strongest. So I'm, I think that's you know that's probably what'll what'll win and probably I guess what should win because nobody cares about how well something is adapted. <laughs> right. I also I also think that in adapted screenplay, I just don't think there are any um, I find that the writing categories tend to go towards uh, the more creative films. They're often the only category that's won by a film I really loved. Um, and that's why I'm thinking it's going to be Hell or High Water, first of all, because I just mm-hmm. think that uh, there, the other option is I could see it going to 20th Century Women uh, because it's the only category it's likely to win. Uh, and Hell yeah. or High Water, because it's nominated in all these other categories where it maybe should do better than it's predicted to do. Like it, it is one of those films that is something should be in contention for Best Picture because it works on so many levels. Like the production design is great and the performances are great and the sound design is great. And that to me is what Best, yeah. Best Picture is about. It's about all of the different departments really working together. Um, but it often just comes down to who who's the best director or whatever. Um, sure. But I do, I, I see it winning because of the types of movies that usually win best screenplay. Uh, for adapted screenplay, I just think Moonlight's the only one of those movies that's really that good on a script level, to be completely honest. Like, other Fences is great on a script level, but it, it you mm-hmm. know, doesn't really count. Um, I, just, I just think those are both close to slam dunks. Uh, how do you feel about direction? Yeah. My My money is back on... Or my no, sorry. My heart lies with Moonlight, and my prediction lies with La La Land. Uh, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I, I uh, res- very especially seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff. I have a lot of respect for the um, scope that Damien Chazelle is able to pull off, and some of the ingenuity in the uh, in the framing and the setting up of shots, and the you know he has a lot of things that are contiguous shots that the camera op gets on a on a crane and all of a sudden is shooting up in the air and it's there's a lot of imagination in the way he built that movie uh and i respect the hell out of that it's it's there's a lot of cool stuff in that um moonlight i i i think uh it's it looks great Uh, again um especially in that diner scene just the way that he just built that slowly building sort of pressure cooker of a scene and the way the nuance in the performances and everything, that all that comes back to the director. And I think um, particularly for that sequence, uh, I've found the work that Barry Jenkins did incredibly impressive. Uh, so I would be fine with either of them for diff- very different reasons. Um, just because the impact a director can have can be so multifaceted and depending what kind of movie it is what you what the director needs to do is different uh so yeah i'd be fine with either um i i think uh it'd be very cool if barry jenkins won um damien chazelle uh is a bit of a wunder kid and i don't know if this movie is 
it, this would be like I, I don't know like if steven spielberg had won a bunch of oscars for like sugarland express like it's a bit like okay he'll get there but like i don't know if like is this the one we want to we, we want to pull the trigger on um but that said it's a very fun movie so uh no no qualms kind of with either of them for me but i'd be very surprised if someone else yeah. dark horsed it yeah um so my thoughts on the direction category are uh directly tied in with my thoughts on best picture um, my prediction is that La La Land takes direction and Moonlight takes best picture in a, the upset of the year. Um, they like to split those, the Academy. They do. And I, and I think that, uh, one, I, I think that La La Land, um, now I, I'm not as much of a fan as you are. Um, but, and I, but I think the thing that makes La La Land special is the direction. Uh, it, it hurt my heart a little bit that all of the best shots were in the trailer. Uh, so I was waiting mm-hmm. basically, uh, for them to show up. Uh, but I think that the look of that movie is, um, is what's good about the movie. Uh, and I'm a, a diehard Whiplash fan. So I, uh, while I'm, I'm sort of a little bit upset to see Damien Chazelle, what I think is his inferior film, really getting the traction, I'm excited to see him getting the traction. Um, mm-hmm. So while I'd prefer Barry Jenkins, because I think he, it's just a better movie, uh, I, I think La La Land, uh, Direction is its award. I think it'll win a bunch of other stuff as well, but I think Direction's going to be its pinnacle. Um, and that makes room for Moonlight to take Best Picture, which I think if you look at, um, I think I think La La Land is getting, you mentioned earlier, the backlash of everybody liked it maybe too much, and then the backlash came in. Uh, and depending on the timing, it might have happened early enough that the pendulum has swung back in its favor, and we're getting the backlash backlash. Uh, or all of the elderly Academy voters are immune to internet backlash <laughs> because they don't see it. <laughs> that's also possible. Um, and I just, I also think with Oscars so white last year, people, uh, the, the Academy especially is, I think, is, I think very um, interested in proving people wrong. And mm. Moonlight being so good uh, really gives them a, a way to do that without doing the wrong thing. Um, because if mm-hmm. it wasn't good, they'd have to give it to the best film. But Moonlight is arguably the best film. And I think that you put those things together and uh, especially combined with the backlash of La La Land, I can just, I can see it happening. I can see it being a good feel-good story of the year. Yeah, yeah, I, I could absolutely see that uh, as 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 well. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping it won't be a thing where there's a super dramatic show and Moonlight isn't winning anything and everybody's getting all tense and then it gets to like the the, the last award. It was like, all right, if Moonlight doesn't win, we riot. Uh, I hope that Mahershala Ali wins. I, I, I hope there's some stuff al- 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 along the way in it and it picks up a few trophies because um, it deserves it. But um, I also hope that there isn't, if La La Land wins a couple things, it's not like, oh God, everything's over. Well, my, uh, uh, what my issue with the La La Land backlash is that I saw it, I was really, I didn't think I would like it, so I brought my expectations down really, really low because uh, a lot of factors. One, I, I love Whiplash so much. Uh, two, I, hearing the singing in the previews, I was like, well, there's no breath support to be found, so that's going to get on my nerves. 
Um, and I just I just had a feeling I wasn't going to like it. So I brought my expectations through the floor to give it the best possible mm-hmm. shot. Then hated it. And so then, then came all the backlash. And then came the backlash backlash. And then... Which, which seemed to argue that everybody who didn't like La La Land was just being contrary and like and and didn't like it for all these sort of superficial reasons, and I I stand by my dislike of La La Land, so that kind of annoyed me. It felt like it was like invalidating <laughs> my dislike because um, mm-hmm. I am a little bit of a contrarian, but I don't. Uh, I I firmly believe that my opinion stands on story ground, and ultimately story matters the most to me <laughs> uh oh sure yeah i didn't find la la land when i went in kind of tempering my expectations uh uh because even though the the teaser was beautiful i some of the backlash had started by the time i saw it uh and i did not find it as emotionally involving as a lot of people oh, had yeah. been like oh i was in tears at the end i couldn't have cared so less that, about that's... either of those people yeah, it fell short for me in terms of, of emotional connection, but where it gained that ground back for me was I thought it was very funny. I thought the script was, there were some great lines in it. I thought there was some great, well-directed comedic moments, some excellent timing uh, from everybody involved. The scene at the 80s party with him playing the guitar, I laughed for like a minute straight. So I I see it more as, as, a, as a comedy with a bit of a bittersweet ending that's perhaps a smidge unearned uh, that looks great. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think if you, it depends on what your expectations are and what you're looking for from a musical. They're not great singers, um, either of them. Uh, I would have liked, I thought Emma Stone was passable. I would have definitely liked a stronger uh, voice performer uh, from Ryan Gosling. And, you know, wh- what happened to the good old days where they would cast a good actor and then just have some anonymous, like, Broadway person, like, <laughs> dub in their <laughs> dub in their singing? Yeah. How come, we, how come we can't do that anymore? Um, well, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? It's like uh, Julie Andrews, I believe, did the voice on um, uh, My Fair Lady, which is bizarre because she's also a huge star, but she was just, like, in the background singing in the rain style. Yeah. Um... What was I going to say? Oh, but Clay, isn't there anything, is there anything in the world more annoying than people singing a love duet about how they're not going to fall in love and then just before they fall in love? Like, come on. Come on. Is there, is there anything There's more annoying? There's nothing more annoying. Uh, um, I feel like that's, that's actually kind of one of the things that I, I enjoyed about, about the movie is he, he took a lot of the time honored, like old timey musical trope uh, type of songs and uh, and used them. I, I don't know. You know, it was <laughs> La La Land is fine. I don't. I don't know. But it's, it's, if they I'm, released it in I, July, I could have put up with it, but still wouldn't have liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, is there uh, anything else that has a shot at Best Picture other than those two? I don't think so. No. I mean, th- that's what all of the conversation is solidified around. Um, I'm I'm a little bit I mean I don't know Hidden Figures has made more money than any of the other nominees and it's and it's been beloved the last couple of months um I don't know I mean it's a good movie I saw Hidden Figures I enjoyed it great but it's it's like a very good PG kids history movie yeah is it's it's sort of like Remember the Titans or something like it if it was made by Disney in 2000 I would have completely fit in with all of those movies they were making around that time so like I I enjoyed it certainly I would never have nominated it um, for an Academy Award. 
Um, I think Manchester's just been hurt too much by all the Casey Affleck stuff, and maybe it just came out too early too. Yeah. I, I I don't know that that it feels like there isn't uh, too much excitement about Manchester anymore. No, I think it's La La Land v Moonlight. Everything has to become a you contender top two contender battle um and that's what we're gonna see i guess it's it's always a little unfortunate that art has to be pitted against <laughs> against art but um yeah no i don't see anything else sneaking in and hell or high water will get the best original screenplay consolation prize as long um, as la la land doesn't get screenplay yeah. i will accept la la land getting pretty much anything but as long as they don't take okay. screenplay because that right. was not a good screenplay uh <laughs> I don't care how many jokes worked. They were good jokes. <laughs> it was a funny movie. The, pun- the punch-up team movie. on La La Land did a good job. Uh, you think Chazelle okay. like, r- r- produced and wrote and directed and then also like allowed there to be a punch-up team? I don't think. <laughs> I don't think that guy's bringing in a punch-up team. It was team. a joke. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, gun to your head. Which is winning best picture? Uh, I... D- I can just, I can see in my head the Moonlight team. I can see Janelle Monae standing behind Barry Jenkins. Yeah, because they're all so beautiful. Uh, you ever seen a shot at the end of the night? Of the yeah, Moonlight team. It's just like insane. Yeah, I, I can, I, I, I can see that team uh, on the stage as we go to credits. So I'm, I'm gonna, for the moment that it would create, I'm gonna go with Moonlight. Okay. Um, and I think you're right. I think Chazelle will probably win director yeah um and moonlight will get picture that feels that 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 makes sense to me okay any closing oscar thoughts no i bet jimmy kimmel will do a good job he's always does he always does like a solid b he's yeah. never <laughs> the best he's he's never chris rock and he's also never jimmy Where fallon is so chris i think rock? why have why can't we have chris rock back <laughs> who knows uh didn't we have we had chris rock a couple years ago didn't we Relatively recently, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. I just feel like it's um, time for Chris Rock to come back. Jimmy Kimmel is self-aware enough to not make an idiot out of himself or not. Jimmy Fallon is just embarrassing, and I hope we never have to, to watch him host anything ever again. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think Kimmel will do well. I think uh, I'm very, I mean, it is going to be uh, a fun show to follow along with on Twitter. Uh, I can I can say that for sure. There's going to be... The political statements are going to come in hot and fast. Uh, yeah. And I'm excited for the musical performances, too. Um, we're getting J- JT up there. John Legend's going to play a few songs. Lin-Manuel's showing up. The Rock is going to be there. It's going to be I think it's gonna be fun. You know, I think JT... But I love award shows. I don't know. <laughs> JT was actually a really good... He hosted the ESPYs one year. I think we're not far from him hosting things. He was really, He's a really yes. good host. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he is he's a showman. He is. He definitely is. I think he. I think once they they land on him, he'll be. That'll be his new his new job. Um, yeah. So Clay Vidiots is entering a transition period right now. Tell us how we can help out the organization in the interim. Uh, well, in the interim, uh, staying engaged uh, with things like the social media and uh, the podcast that I co-host with Darren Franich, Vidiots Video Store Show, is kind of. The primary way to stay involved in a in a broader kind of uh, international sense. If you're in Los Angeles, we're going to keep doing uh, screenings. Uh, we're kind of moving over to our temporary home at the Ace Hotel, which is in downtown. They have a huge 
Theater, which is where we held the first annual Harry Dean Stanton Awards and where we will be holding the second annual Harry Dean Stanton Awards. Uh, but they also have a great screening room in the in the basement. There's like a basement bar with a cool screening room where we are going to be continuing a lot of our screening series. Uh, we are also going to be doing our monthly trivia game at the Ace Hotel, and we're we're um, in preliminary planning stages for some pop-ups around the city for different uh, curated collections, things like that. So if you're in Los Angeles, uh, uh, Stay kind of uh, uh, um, involved in that in the physical way by coming out and seeing us, uh, and then keep your eye out for when we start making announcements about uh, when we find our new location and the next kind of fundraising initiative uh, to to push into the future. Um, but uh, y- y- yeah, that's uh, kind of what you can do there, and um, yeah, I guess that's that's what you can do for Vidiots. Go to vidiotsfoundation.org, uh, get up on the the email list. Uh, and we'll keep you apprised of everything uh, vidiots related. And as you just go. mentioned briefly, you're the host of two different podcasts. Time for all the plugs. <laughs> yes. Go. Plug time. Um, yes. Well, I, with Darren Franich uh, from Entertainment Weekly, co-host, co-host the Vidiots Video Store Show podcast. Uh, it is a weekly show where we uh, get together and uh, try to recreate for everybody the lively uh, clerk uh, renter banter that will happen at a at a at a video uh, uh, counter. Um, something that uh, until a few days ago you could find in Santa Monica, but not many places in the country. And uh, and when Vidiots comes back, you will find again. But we're gonna keep doing the show as we always have. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Um, it's kind of I I don't know. You know what, uh, Kelly? You actually explained the show uh, in the PC road better than I ever have been able to. Um, but it, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's very bantery. It's very two guys talking about movies. Um, but I think we both, uh, come, come at the subject from, uh, a unique, uh, very, very slightly academic, uh, and more, uh, well-informed enthusiasm sort of, sort of angle. Um, so yeah, uh, love doing that. Uh, we've got, Darren's been on vacation. So my friend Ryan Marker from Vidiots has been, uh, filling in the co-host seat for a few episodes. And the next one that we're posting is actually sort of a, uh, a fun one. I got together all the, all of the Vidiots clerks and we just talk about recommendations and different, uh, have kind of tell some, stories from the video store so that that's a fun one and then darren will be back talking an oscars wrap-up uh after the academy awards and then i also host a show i just started with my sister where we talk about cw's the hundred <laughs> because that's a that's a great show the fun thing about this about cw shows is that they're good enough to take seriously but also silly enough to like have like a like a goofy bantery <laughs> show about uh, so yeah, so we talk about the hundred that's called blood must talk about blood. Um, they're both on iTunes and various podcast things. And Kelly, I want to thank you, uh, in internet person, uh, for being a longtime fan of, of, uh, the video, video store show. And, uh, I don't know, uh, if you have not read out there, um, Kelly's, uh, piece uh, essay that she wrote about the show it is incredibly thoughtful and and very lovely i made my sister cry uh <laughs> it's very it's very nice so um i appreciate that and and all you've done to uh support us and promote us it's been uh uh it's it's kept us going 
Uh, so I, I say that on behalf of Darren uh, as well, even though he couldn't couldn't join us today. Um, did she cry because in response to being called the nice one, you then became mm-hmm. an uncompromising villain who doesn't yeah, like yeah. dancing or horses or other forms yeah. of majesty? Well, let me qualify that a little bit. Um, I don't like... I don't care about dancing in certain circumstances. Uh, if I if if I go to a dance show where dancing is the point of it, I can appreciate that. Uh, if I'm watching a movie and and all, I look at my watch and the last twenty minutes have just been dancing, that's where I don't care about dancing. Uh, horses, I don't care about in any circumstance. <laughs> okay, so to clarify for listeners who have not read my piece, uh, I spent many, many, many words talking about how Clay is, like, super nice. Uh, and mm-hmm. then he spent three episodes trying to prove that he's a villain. Um, which, okay, I'll just stop telling people I don't know who they are. Maybe that's probably <laughs> the best way of approaching things. Um, so if you have not read that article, you can find it at myentertainmentworld.ca. Just go to the search box, mm-hmm. type in Vidiots. Uh, and yeah, definitely check out Vidiots. It's the best podcast anywhere. Uh, not that I listen to all of them, yes. but I love it. Um, and I don't listen to just anything. Uh, and yeah, so make sure you check out our nominee interview series, which is ongoing for the next month and a half. Uh, that's in gearing up towards the my tv my cinema and my theater awards that are happening in early april uh make sure you follow at my Entworld on twitter uh clay is also at clay keller and vidiots mm-hmm. is at, at vidiots show is that right at vidiots show yeah the thing when you start a podcast and you have to get all these different like social media names and stuff is there's always some person who has vidiots podcast that hasn't tweeted in six years uh so what are you gonna do but yeah at vidiots show is uh, is that um, and find out how you can get involved with My Entertainment World and earn special access and perks by becoming a patron for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash myentworld. Uh, everything you can do to help us out and stay alive is greatly appreciated. Um, I think that's all my plugs for now. Thanks so much for coming on, Clay. Okay. Well, thank you for inviting me, Kelly. It's, uh, I, I am happy to go on and on and on ad nauseum about movies. It's uh, <laughs> a more congenial spot for happily ever aftering than here in Camelot. Camelot.